0: JudgeCast, this is episode 192. I am one of your hosts this evening, Brian Pritleman. I am joined by my two rivals of Ixalan, uh, Jess Dunks. Good morning, this is Jess. And Broken King.
1: Hello. Good afternoon, just for variety. Yes,
0: good afternoon, good evening,
2: and good night.
1: Oh, yeah. we
0: don't, we don't want to, just which, whichever time, whichever time zone you're listening to this podcast in, that's when we're recording it too.
2: Good Just to maintain
1: day. the
0: just to maintain the illusion of this being live. I like it. Yes. So, last episode, uh, you know, last last episode on Judgecast, we talked about last time on Judgecast. Last time. <laughs> <laughs> same Judge Time, same Judge Channel. We talked uh we talked about uh the FAQ, uh the frequently asked questions, the release notes for Rivals of Ixalan. And since then, uh, a new MTR has come out with changes for Rivals of Ixalan. A new IPG has come out. And they've also released some uh, some updates to the uh, Wizards Play Network. Uh, and we're going to be talking uh, about all of those in today's episode. Uh, so first, the most important thing, the biggest change out of all of this.
1: Oh yeah, high priority, 100%. High
0: priority. Is is we can actually, we in this update to the MTR judges can play in the standard showdown in the store championships that we already played in already
1: (sniffs) (laughs) don't sound so excited brian
0: well okay so this is this is mostly just a bookkeeping thing there's a there's Mm -hmm. a a section of the mtr that lists uh what events you can play in if you are also a judge and they just kind of left some out
1: they just did not get added is likely what happened
0: yeah oops we forgot that we (laughs) added new things
2: Was this like the time that they added that you can't bribe a judge? Like, and before that, it was technically legal legal to bribe a judge, but nobody knew that. Because there was nothing telling
1: you that you couldn't? Right. Amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah, it said you couldn't bribe players, but it didn't say anything about bribing tournament officials. And then they added something. I think this is a
0: little bit, a little different because this was actually an explicit list of things that you could play in. And it left those things out. Oh, I see.
1: So there was, there was some subset of human beings who assumed that that meant you couldn't. Or, well, or or was it just functional like
0: So So here here's the here's the thing. As as judges, we tend to be uh persnickety uh, to use, an, <laughs> to really use an old time to use an old timey word.
1: Oh yes. Um, uh,
0: we tend to be a little a little uh, uh anal, I guess, about following the rules. And so, uh, yeah, when you create a document for these types of people, uh, they're going to point out errors and mistakes. And this was one of them.
1: Thanks judges for the bookkeeping. Yes.
0: Yeah. But, but thinking about things that we want to lists of things that we want to keep track of, uh, could there perhaps be some other changes in the MTR? <laughs> ooh,
1: uh, ooh. <laughs> I, it's, it's funny. Cause this is, this is surprisingly the thing that I've heard people talking about most as these changes happen. Um, so uh, you tracking things as it relates to uh, things such as your life total. Before, you you had to track your life total. Um, now you also have to track poison and energy um, equally, and you cannot use dice. You have to write them down in a way that is not going, or otherwise track it in a way that, is, that can't get accidentally bumped or shifted or accidentally moved in some way
2: right and and so that's a competitive REL. uh at regular rules enforcement level dice are still allowed uh, although a judge could restrict that a head judge could restrict that further if they wanted to um, yeah. so so in a competitive if you're if you're in an, uh, a PPTq um, your players can uh, not use dice uh, they they should not use um, other weird object related methods An abacus is right out. Ooh. Uh they... M&Ms.
0: Don't <laughs> use M&Ms.
1: I've used uh, a saltwater taffy before.
0: That seems bad. Do you just eat it when you lose life? Do you just eat?
1: Oh uh, no, that's a lot of taffy.
0: Um, uh, a question. Don't gain. Don't play life gain deck because
1: now, now the way I heard this,
2: uh, uh, that this has been presented rather is that you can't be used something that can be accidentally changed. And that's why dice aren't allowed because it's really easy to bump the table and then the dice go everywhere. And, and honestly, even as a judge, I've walked up to a table to take a judge call and bumped a table and watched dice go everywhere and just panicked. Um, well, even even more so yep. with energy, too. Uh, yeah, exactly.
1: Right? Ener- energy was a big one as and well, yeah. so
2: um, one question I've heard is like, well, what about uh, those electronic pads that, that people write on? What are those called? Boogie yeah, boards? Yeah, boogie boards. What about boogie boards? Uh, If you push a button, it all goes away. That could be accidentally gotten rid of. Right. Um, And no, that's not what we're talking about.
1: That's oops. I accidentally fell with my elbow on this exact tiny little dot that erases the thing.
2: Right, 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 right. I
1: don't I don't think I've ever seen someone accidentally do that. Uh, The the only problem I can see arising with a boogie board is if you run out of space and you want to start a new page, you're no longer going to have access to to life total changes over the course of the game um but i feel like that is significantly less uh, of a concern than bumping right, right. your dice
0: now another thing you you need to announce your changes to these numbers mm-hmm. so so poison energy life total so in that case of the the boogie board you know Hey, I'm gonna start a new page. I'm at, and let's let's be honest, if you've used a whole boogie board, I'm at 126 <laughs> and you're at 291. Um, the guy says the other the other player says yeah, and then you hit the button and you just write those numbers up at the top and you keep
2: going mm-hmm. from there. Now, yep. Um one thing I'll point out, while it doesn't come up very often, uh, you're only required to track it for yourself. So for life, players usually track their own life and their opponent's life. Technically, they're only required to track their own life, but usually they do both. It's a good idea. Now, where this will come up is with energy. I almost always track my own energy, but frankly, I don't track my opponent's energy. I let them take care of it. Um, so so it might be a good idea for me to start tracking my opponent's energy. Like, from a player perspective, it might be wise, but it is not required. Uh, I only have to track my own numbers.
1: Right, like the, the, more, ener- the more information that you are keeping track of yourself the the more you have a doc like essentially a document of of what has happened over the course of the game in case anything happens and you you can be responsible for that for yourself and you have more information
0: the other thing is even though you're not required to keep track of your opponent's life energy whatever if you notice a discrepancy between what you think they should have in energy, and what they think they have in energy, or what they they have in life total, and what you have for them in life total, you are required to bring that bring that to a judge's attention, or, or rather bring that to attention immediately. Notice, Generally, that's going to result in a specifically
2: judge call. if you notice a discrepancy in life totals, poison, or energy, you need to bring that up. Um, oddly, the tournament policy doesn't really cover what happens if you see a discrepancy in experience counters or storm, but you should probably point that out too.
1: Yeah, it's a it's worth doing. All um, right. The sooner you can get it figured out, the easier it is to fix it.
2: Uh, all right.
0: So the, the next thing is they, uh, they you know, we had a we had an unset uh, come out recently and uh, they uh, they allowed uh, uncards in commander for a brief period of time. Did, did anyone did it? Jess, you don't play, but Bergen, do you play EDH at all?
1: Um, I only play uh, in specific environments with people that I choose to play with of my own of my own volition.
2: I have a tiny leaders deck. Does that count?
1: Do people still play that? No. All right. But
2: I would play with them. I'll bring my deck to events from now on. If people want to play tiny leaders with me, I'll play You're it You're setting yourself
1: time. up to have to play so much tiny leaders am, right now. I am
2: okay with that. I spent money on that deck. I want to play it. That's fair. So, so they... <laughs> I did, they co-
1: I, go ahead. Sorry.
0: No, 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 Colin. I was going to uh, no,
1: talk was, about tiny leaders. I was going to talk about the fact that I judged at a convention uh, in which we brought enough... Uh, unstable for a total of 70 players and had 56 people on the first day so people really like unstable and people really like the uncard
0: especially rules lawyer that's a good card pretty good card it is we're not biased not (laughs) in the slightest um but uh, so they they made a clarification that uh, silver border. So before when it was listing what actual magic cards that could be used in events were, they listed silver border cards as uh, or sorry, non silver bordered cards as legal cards. Uh, they removed that now so that silver border cards can be played. And then they clarified where it's like only in casual events where they're explicitly allowed.
1: Right, so it no longer says explicitly non-silver-bordered cards, but it also does add a lot of stipulations and clarifications to when you can use silver-bordered cards.
0: Basically, it's exactly like it was before, only to help all the the, the persnickety judges uh, that were like, "Well, actually, in the list of allowed cards, you know, granted this is an unstable draft, but you're not allowed to use those silver-bordered cards."
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Or cards without board.
1: Is that like Doctors Without Borders?
0: It, it is only less helpful on the international world stage.
2: <laughs> I just realized that borderless lands are lands that do not have borders. Oh, my <laughs> God. Like, <just>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we don't. Oh, it's, Never mind. That's i no, I'm still going to say it. We don't have to build a wall anyway. Moving on.
2: <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, next up, we learned that the core set of. For 2019, which I believe is just called Core 2019, uh, will be legal a week early if you plan that stuff out or <coughs> care. If you
1: if you cared, <laughs> yeah.
0: That it's it is kind of weird that they pushed something
2: up a week early. Oh man, does that mean does that mean are they releasing it a week early? Yeah. Does that mean That's we're gonna what that have is. To, we're gonna have to do an off week release notes episode? It might have actually
0: been already on and off weeks so they they moved it up to align with our recording schedule.
2: Probably
1: not. No, it's just you just say, well listeners, maybe you'll get some secret bonus content to adjust to our weeks.
2: <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps listeners, this will occur. There's a 50% chance. Uh, uh
1: I, fi- <laughs> either, I find it
2: either it will or it won't. 50%, right? right?
1: Oh, okay yeah. If winning the lottery is a 50% chance. You either win or you don't. Oh, I'm sorry. Just just no. if there's on. if there was a way to just put those words back into my face right now, I would do it.
0: So, so realistically, uh, when I was a kid, my dad used to unironically say that and it would drive me up the wall.
1: No. He, um am sorry for for bringing yeah. up those memories.
0: Oh, it was it was it was he, he would never say it for something that was grossly. But if it was maybe like one third to two thirds, you know, that kind of range, he'd be like, hey, eh, either you will or you won't 50 50. Right flip a coin (laughs) like dad that's not how that's not how it works
1: great um the 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 next thing we have to talk about is something we touched on uh in the release notes episode um as it relates to the city's blessing um (laughs) so as of as of now if you uh are the monarch or you have the city's blessing that is free information um so you can't You can't keep it a secret. You can't not tell them if your opponent, if they ask, Uh, you have to say if they say, do you have the city's blessing? Are you the monarch? You have to say yes or no. Hey, what
2: do you you have city's blessings?
1: No, I have not yet climbed the aggro crag.
2: Now, now, uh, to be clear, they don't have to ask the question in those specific words. If they say, do uh, have you ascended? The answer still needs to be correct when you when you tell them. Uh, what the answer is, you can't just uh, be like, "Oh, they didn't specifically ask about the they, city's they blessing." Say, oh, uh, well, he didn't goodness.
0: use he didn't use the right words.
2: Right uh, no, it's his intention is is clear, uh, and uh, it's important in player communication that that we we go with clear intent here on on what they're asking you. Um, same with the monarch, uh, although that should be that, that's likely to be more of a uh, joking joking question. Somebody to be like, "Do you have the crown right now?" Um, and yeah with the city's blessing it's just you have to you have to be clear about it however even though you can't hide it that doesn't mean that you have to display it it doesn't mean you have to have a little city's blessing token with you or anything like that uh it's not a visible token or counter or anything along those lines you do not have to announce when you have become the monarch or gotten the city's blessing uh it's just however
1: if 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 something is impacted by having the city's blessing or being the monarch mm-hmm. and your opponent does the wrong thing and you know that they're doing the wrong thing, you do have to point it. Yes,
2: at. that is correct. Uh, if you're, a- We
0: don't we don't treat this as a missed trigger.
2: Yeah, it's definitely not a missed trigger. Uh, there is no trigger that makes you uh, ascend it or, or get the city's blessing. It's just a thing that happened. Uh, and even in the case of monarch, uh, we would likely not consider that a missed trigger. I-, I can't think of all the monarch cards off the top of my head, but... Generally right. speaking. So
1: Yeah, if 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 there's if I have something that is going to resolve differently depending on if I have ascended or have not, and I go to do it the wrong way, you you, you have to point mm-hmm. it
0: out. You can't be like, oh well they didn't announce that they ascended. They, right. They whatever. didn't say it. No. It is gonna be a GRV though, uh from most of most of the City's Blessings cards that I the care cards that care about City's blessings. Um it's if you resolve it or or treated it as though it did not have... You did not have City's Blessings. That is going to be a game rule.
1: Right, because you've not resolved your thing correctly. Yeah.
0: All right. Big, big old bribery. And not the three blue blue kind. <laughs> um, That's my
1: favorite kind of bribery.
0: It is. It's my favorite kind of bribery, too. Uh Actually, my favorite kind of bribery is the kind that wasn't in the MTR for a long time. And now is.
1: Oh. Are you sad about this, crime?
0: <laughs> no, not really. Um uh So... There, there was some slight changes to the, to the, uh, the bribery policy. Uh, it, it, not a, not a huge change, but it does, uh, clarify something. So this, in the, so in the bribery rules, there is an exception for, uh, the announced final round of the single elimination portion of the tournament.
1: That's very, very specific language. Yeah.
0: Very specific language. What that really means is, is it's almost always two people are left in the tournament. Uh, and the, the you know the, the the top two players are are remaining in the tournament um what what it's clarifying is that you are allowed to negotiate prizes you're allowed to split the prizes however you want but those are prizes that you have not yet received for the tournament so if your store gives prizes based on swiss standing like if you're at a PTQ or sorry PPTQ and your prizes are based on standings coming out of Swiss and then the top eight is playing for the invite, you may not, those prizes have already been awarded or presumably have already been awarded. You can't use those. Uh, Also at a GP, if you play uh, in one of the last chance uh, uh, qualifiers beforehand, where they give prize tickets out at the beginning of every round, the beginning of the next round, uh, those are prizes that you have received. So they are not eligible for the splitting and the discussing or anything like that. This has always been the case. OK, they just clarified policy more because they realized that some people were were, were not doing that right.
1: Right. There were there was definitely a, a subset of, of folks who were like, well, no, they've already earned it. So it's it's fine. It's theirs to bargain with, except if it if it being already yours and being yours to bargain with, like I could say, well, my money is my paycheck is is mine and I've already earned it. Can can I bargain with that?
0: So this this is not a change; it's a clarification of the way it already was that was just causing misunderstanding.
2: I think it's a little weird uh, because the prizes that you've already received uh, are often just for the convenience of the tournament organizer. Uh, so at Agree. the end of the at the end of a, a single elimination trial at a grand prix, for example, uh, in an event where they're using they're not using prize ticks, where they're using. Uh, some other prize I likely haven't received any yet, but at an event where they're using prize ticks, um, I've I've already received uh, all those prizes, and the only difference is that that the, the I've gotten some of the listed prizes already. Um, it's a little awkward. I don't know that the policy originally was intended to cover the situation. I think it was intended to cover when you've gotten prizes before top eight. Uh, and, yes, right. and like there's a there's a flat top eight prize and then more prizes for for winning um right additional prizes I, I think that's kind of, of that. the situation it was it was meant to cover um and, and it creates an awkward situation because i know some tournament organizers that have uh allowed players to do this in their grand prix trials um now that being said i have not seen that it occur uh at a a channel fireball grand prix uh which is good because they're the only ones running grand prix now um but uh what should a judge do if they are t- telling the players they can't do this but the organizer comes up and says well actually they can because i have had exactly that situation occur what what should a judge do in that situation
0: in this particular situation you're at you're at a gp level event
2: yes yes and this is a this is a, a i'm not even making it up this is a real thing that happened to me like if a a you're at a gp level event the player wants to know if they can do this uh You tell them no, and someone on the the tournament the the t o staff says actually we 're going to let them do that
1: I would have an aside with the tournament organizer and ask why if there's not a very good reason, tell them no okay,
2: yeah, I think that 's a good idea you you need to talk to them about it um uh making sure you your job as as a player i'm sorry as a head judge rather as a judge is going to be making sure that the the tournament organizer understands. What the policy is, right?
1: Right. That, that that this isn't just you trying to be be dictatorial. Right. It's it's this is this is in policy. This is why this is in policy. Can you t- explain to me why you are saying no right. here, or why you're saying this right. is? And fine. so
2: the organizer, uh, if it comes to it, does have the option to remove you from the event. But the column, whether or not they can do that. Really comes down to the to the policy, and you have to uphold the policy. Um, now that's awkward because there's there's that political question of will will this TO staff me again, etc. Um, but I don't think right. you're going to run into a problem at a GP level. You're not going to run into a problem by saying this is what the tournament policy says, and I have to I have to go with it. Um, now, if that happens at a local level, you you may have to deal with the fallout there.
0: Now, in this in this particular situation, this is at, at a GP, they typically have uh, a, a judge assigned to each last chance trial. Uh, you you could also instead of in, in addition to going and talking to the TO, there's probably going to be a, a sides lead or something like that that you can enlist in this conversation
1: mm-hmm. to, to help well. communicate and or be a a liaison if 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 you don't feel like you can ha- handle this conversation
0: right this is almost never going to come up outside of a gp situation because prizes given out based on swiss standings at competitive rel events at of the local level are i i i feel like they're really uncommon
2: oh yeah yeah that's that's pretty uncommon especially well yeah, yeah. Prizes for the top eight based on standing to the was almost almost unheard of.
0: Right. And so and so this type of situation where the person's been prized out before the beginning of top eight in any way, shape, or form at the local level, is really, really, really uncommon. Okay. Um this this would be entirely at a GP situation and I got I gotta feel that in, in most particular cases it's either gonna be like a really new TO, um, you, yeah, I, I see that this is almost like, uh, you know, like fire alarm goes right. off kind of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially with this clarification, I don't think it's going to come up very frequently. Um, so uh, I, I don't think I don't mean to make anybody panic by making them think, oh, this is going to come up. But I do want to highlight that sometimes you will run into a situation where an organizer wants to do something that's contrary to the tournament rules. Um, and when it comes right down to it, frankly, there's not a whole lot you can do to stop them. Uh other than not judge with that per- not judge for that organizer anymore. Uh they're going to run their event how they want to run it and and it, you might have to put your foot down and say I can't be a part of this because you're not following the tournament rules anymore, uh which kind of makes my authority a moot point. But uh but you can't stop them in that case and and you there's not a whole lot you can do about it. You just got to move on. It sucks that that's the answer. Fortunately fortunately
0: most TOs like at at the local level TOs are going to more or less listen to, listen to you. Um, and at the, and at the GP level, uh, they, they've been around long enough to, to know how things go mm-hmm. uh-huh. They're supposed to work. So, uh, from also from the MTR, uh, we had some, uh, some bannings took place. Uh, well,
1: we, we, we fixed, it said Rouge refiner. It did Dang say
0: it. Rouge refiner. I
1: wanted, I wanted to make a joke about Rouge refiner, but it doesn't say it in our notes anymore.
2: Well, here, I'll, I'll fix it.
1: Thanks. We banned Rouge Refiner. Where the those those blush makers are just had to be stopped. I'm just
2: imagining a makeup refinery.
0: <laughs>
1: that sounds so right.
0: It's an uncard they banned Rouge Refiner. So yes, yeah. So so they defined Rouge the Rogue, rogue Refiner attuned with Aether, rampaging Farasadon, and Parappa the Rapa ruins.
1: Yes, Parappa the Rapa ruins.
0: Rapa, I love Rapa, it. Rapa Nap ruins. I love that. Um. So yeah. So they they banned they banned those cards. Uh. Uh. Mo- mostly so that we don't have to sit through energy uh, mirror matches. Uh, and I'm thankful for it. That's the real reason. And I'm sticking to it.
2: So I wouldn't joke about that because back when eggs had cards banned from it, that really was the reason. Um. But in this case, like, it was not. What was the reason? Uh. The games were taking too long. Oh yeah. They didn't ban it because it was too powerful. They banned it because it was making GPS last three more hours.
1: Like I mean, yeah. like sensei's divining top yeah yeah
2: that's 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 amazing when cards
0: get banned because of of tournament logistics but in this particular case Wiz- Wizards actually put a, a a pretty cool article up that gave a lot of the math breakdown of what they what the matchups were and why they felt that it was necessary to ban they They haven't done something like that before and and i I feel that they did that simply because this is like they're banning four cards on the heels of other bannings on the heels of other bannings on the heels of other bannings. So they kind of felt like they needed to really support this, this banning. So they provided a ton more information and it was pretty good.
1: Yeah, I uh, I was actually really impressed by the the amount of, of effort and depth that went into explaining the bannings there. It was it was really good.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, There'll be a link in the show notes <laughs> to the bannings, to the banning explanations. Oh, sure. That's fine. I can do that. Yeah, you'll find All it right. in the show notes, guys yay so uh is there anything else in the mtr
2: uh i don't Not think so
1: that i can think of okay oh, did we did we actually say the real names of the cards that got banned
2: uh it's it's so i actually have trouble saying this ram ruins
1: i think it, i think it's Ramanap, yeah because
2: i always just called it run up ram up run up ruins, ruins. ruins. rogue refiner
1: attune with ether rampaging ferocidon mm-hmm. Those are those are our, those are our friends. Are All gone. cards that are good enough. For- uh, I so I there's a lot of competition for blue and green cards in in my cube. So uh, there's no rogue refiner. No in rogue refiner.
2: No. That's reasonable. But like I I wouldn't be mad at somebody for, for having, having rogue refiner in their cube. I wouldn't be like, why is this here?
1: That's 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 true. It, it's not completely out of the question.
2: All right, talk about the IPG. Let's back up to that topic. Um, that was a bad segue. All right. So, nice. the first thing we're going to talk about in the IPG is backing up. How we back things up was clarified and changed slightly. Uh, the change to how we back up is that previously there was this really weird thing where if multiple shuffles happened, it was designed to keep multiple shuffles from, from needing to be done in a backup. So, if I had to back up through two or three shuffles for some reason, I only did one and I did it at the end of the entire backup. Now this created an awkward situation in a couple of ways because I was doing the backup out of order. And so there was a rule that basically ended up meaning that if I scryed or knew the order of some other cards in my library, uh, I'd end up uh, even though we backed up past that point, I'd end up end up still knowing it. Uh, that's no longer the case they just took that out. If right. you're backing up through a bunch of shuffles, you're going to do a bunch of shuffles. Now, if it's if it makes sense to do it at the end as long as the end result is the same, that's probably fine. Just make sure that you're getting all the actions backed up and whatever information the players should be entitled to still exists.
1: I, th- I think this is this is how a lot of things worked in practice at least at least for me every time there was a situation where like, oh judge I I scried and I realized I, I played I played a rogue refiner and then I scried and then I realized and then like another thing happened and I realized, oh, no, I could not have uh, played that Rogue Refiner. I didn't have blue mana. I'm, I'm. You're gonna have a conversation about like, well, how did you realize like, be, like because again, there's a universe in which somebody just doesn't want the card that they scryed, but you, you shuffle it because you don't want them to know what that card on top is.
0: So, so yeah. So right now the the policy is is basically set up or the changes in the case where you had a error occur, then a shuffle effect, and then a scry. Okay. Uh, what the policy used to be was you're going to leave that scryed card wherever it is and shuffle the rest as you're rewinding back through the year. Now, you're just yep. going to shuffle the If you're that listening
2: to this card. and going, really? That was the policy? Don't worry about it because it's not anymore. Uh, <laughs> and, and just to clarify, uh, Rogue Refiner, because somebody's going to email us about it, Rogue Refiner, I think, draws you a card, doesn't actually scry. No, that's okay. <laughs> But, oh yeah, my uh, bad. Whoops. Just to, I want to point it out only because I know somebody's going to email us about it if I don't. Um, it, we we know what Rogue Refiner does. It's cool. It's cool. Just chill, y'all.
1: This only came up because because I had a situation with this that involved a Rogue Refiner, so I had that card in my head already. So that's my bad. You can if you can you can yell at me on the internet all you want. I'll take that heat. Um, but yeah, I think this this makes a lot more sense intuitively for the like than than how it previously was as written mm-hmm. all right what's next uh sort of clarifying the way we should handle the process of dealing with grvs um just be oh, a little okay. bit more specific uh, so uh you should if you if there' if a grV happens and you're trying to figure out how to fix it uh first you should try a simple backup uh, if that's not possible Sim- go can ahead. I
0: can I stop for a second a simple backup is not the same thing as a backup it's a back, a simple backup is like a single action.
1: So like I you know,
2: put, put that land back in your hand.
1: Right. I, was, I sat a land down when I couldn't play a land, put it back in your hand.
2: Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I put this spell on the stack and before I finished casting it, I realized I can't put this spell on the stack. Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Just very, very, I sat this thing down or I moved this thing over.
2: Right. right. I blocked here, but this creature can't block. Okay. Well, you didn't. Block it, do- with
0: it. It, it doesn't mean, right. It doesn't mean simple in the, in the fact of, Oh, well, these five things happened, but we know clearly what these five things are. So it's really simple to back up.
1: <laughs> right. If it's it it's just like one one motion basically, one one thing that has occurred. Um if so if that if that's not applicable, if that does not solve your problem, uh try a partial fix. Um so like if something didn't change zones that should have, can change zones now. Uh what are some what other partial fixes if we got?
2: Uh there are there are partial fixes that, that are very standard. Like, for example, if I forgot to draw a card, I do so now. If I forgot to discard it at the end of my turn, I'll do so now. There are a few partial fixes that are in there. Uh, I
0: would it's like to... Right, and it's an, ex, it's an explicit list. So right. don't go so, making up partial fixes. Right, yeah, they all they all. <laughs> Please
1: good. don't. So your partial fix doesn't work either. Uh, if you can't do that, uh, th- from there, you may consider not necessarily just snap off a full rewind.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you have to double check uh, with the head judge if you're not the head judge. And if you uh, are the head judge, it's not a bad idea to double check with somebody else if you have a floor to drown to bounce it off of. Um, I have... yeah,
1: things Things may seem simple in theory, mm-hmm. but as you start to look at the situation more, you may find reasons that it might not be better to back I things up. i
2: definitely had judges come up to me and go, I'd like to back, th- such and such happened, I'd like to back this up. And I go, what actions are you going to back up? And they walk walk me through it and about halfway through realize oh that causes a problem doesn't it
1: or this is about five or six things wait i thought it was two things oops
0: or the worst is i, I want to back up okay walk me through what you're going to back up and they and they go and they kind of look at you blankly yes. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like they oh, I didn't expect yet. that question uh, i don't know yet oh well i'm not sure well, let's go on over there and look at the situation and determine if this is the correct thing to do.
1: So yeah, this 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 clarification was just some uh, a little bit more explicit way of sort of writing out the process of how you should approach these fixes. Mm-hmm. Don't just jump straight to backing up. Uh go go through the steps and see if a partial fix may be applicable,
0: so there is a, there is an explicit list of partial fixes. Yeah, and there was a change. There was a change related to when you do a partial fix. Uh, so on the list of partial fixes, uh, performing those partial fixes may cause like a creature to go to the graveyard or a card to be dra- uh, a card to be drawn or discarded, or something along those lines. Uh, there may be cards in there. There may be effects on the battlefield that may trigger when you draw a card, or trigger when you discard a card, or trigger when a creature dies. Um, those triggered abilities are generated from these partial fixes only if they would have occurred at the time that the action, or if the action had been taken at the correct time.
2: Right. So, so, so if I forget to discard because uh, it's the end of my turn, I have eight cards in my hand. I forget to discard. I pass the turn to my opponent. And they play Megrim, which is whenever I discard a card, I would lose two life. Uh, then, then I have to discard because of this partial because of this partial fix. I'm not going to lose two life. It will not trigger that ability because it was not in play when I was supposed to discard a card. So, speaking of clarification, there's one card. Cease play playing modern. Uh, it's my least favorite card. Um, is this
1: really your least favorite card? This
2: is, and this is why it's my least favorite card. Um, so it's Cavern of Souls. And a while back, I was having a discussion, which is about "Cavern of Souls," and they didn't know that uh, that that what we're about to talk about with "Cavern of Souls" and and what it is. Before I get into that story, what it is is that "Cavern of Souls" has this this trigger or this activated ability. It's a mana ability that says you can only use uh, you can activate it to make colored mana, but you can only use that colored mana for uh, creatures of a chosen type. And there was a problem. It, with the way the tournament policy worked in regard to this card. And what it was, is if I had a creature that costs, let's say, two generic mana, uh, it cost of, of two generic and a green, uh, and I tapped two forests and a Cavern of Souls to play it, and it matched the type of Cavern of Souls, and my opponent tried to counter it, the question is, if my if I didn't say anything when I cast it, did I use the first ability that will make it uncounterable? Because that's what it does. Well, it's or it's will, the second
0: ability. The first ability just taps for...
2: I'm colorless. sorry. I had those flopped in my head. Did I use the first ability, which just adds colorless mana? Or did I use the second ability, which uh, makes it uncounterable? Makes your thing not be able and to be generated. Initially, the ruling was that because you didn't say anything, uh, and it didn't require the colored mana to be generated, that it was assumed you made generic mana with it because it was the first ability and uh, you can clarify, and and that it would uh, that it could be countered. Um, this was not what Wizards of the Coast wanted. So uh, Wizards of the Coast, uh, along with Toby Elliott, uh, published articles simultaneously, one on the mothership and one on Judge apps, uh, that basically said, uh, we didn't want you to do that. So Matt Tabak's article went into some, some depth on it and said, explained how they, they didn't intend for that to be the case. So they reversed that policy decision. And now if if I tapped it for mana and I could have used it to make my creature uncounterable, it is assumed that I did unless I for some reason specify otherwise.
1: Yep. I had I had somebody ask me this in a tournament and I was like and I, I gave them the wrong answer. And then I was like, that feels that feels wrong. And then I looked at it, looked yeah. it up and I found the article and, and was like, oh, I was wrong. And I, I let the players know my bad. I was wrong.
0: And this, this article is, is almost six years old Mm -hmm. at this Mm -hmm. point. So, and it's, it's tribal knowledge at this point.
2: And so, um, so I was having a conversation with some people and it came up and I was like, you know, there should really, there should really be like in the gatherer rulings or something for this card. And so, so I poked some people about it and they were like, well, this is a policy thing, not a, not a thing with Wizards of the Coast. And, and, uh, even though it was, it was published on Wizards of the Coast website by the then rules manager, um, And so this is why there's kind of a reminder about it in Toby's most recent policy article. And I still think it should be on some sort of official enduring place somewhere, such as the gatherer or policy. But Toby's article does point out that it's a very unique situation, uh, because it's one, like one place where tournament philosophy, tournament policy philosophy, uh, especially at the time, badly mismatched the intent of the card, uh. Right. So we had kind of a and it's, philosophical errata, if it's, you will. It, yeah,
0: and it falls into a weird situation with, with land in general. You know, when, when you have like a dual land or something like that, or a land that can tap for multiple colors of mana, uh, if you don't need to specifically announce whether you're tapping it for blue or green, but it doesn't tap for color, you just tap it. And even though the rules actually say you need to announce what color you're tapping it for, most players don't it's in just practice, a shortcut that's not
1: what happens. Right.
0: right. In, pra- in practice in practice it's I've got a spell that costs 4, you know, like three and a white. I've got a planes and some combination of, of dual lands. I'm just going to tap all four of right. them. Right.
2: So basically there is no rule anywhere that you will find that says cavern of souls works this way. There is no official source. It's not in the comprehensive rules, it's not in the tournament rules, it's not in the IPG. Nothing says that it works this way. Everything says it works the opposite way except for some blog posts and that's what we're going with.
1: Right. And and because like as as I think Jess was saying like these are these are old. The the the, the article is is old. Mm-hmm. So finding it is not necessarily going to it's not going to just immediately be available to to see.
2: All right. Um well that's it. I think that's it for the IPG and the MTR. It is. Um there was one other thing that we wanted to talk about. And that is that uh, there's recently been a WPN change, which is not a a Wizards Play Network change. It was not something we normally uh, bring up, but this one will have an impact on judges. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I will link up an article in the show notes. You can go check it out. Uh, The Wizards Play Network published a very brief article uh, called Something to the Effect of Making Magic Spaces Safer, if I remember correctly. And it basically said that it was going to uh, require. all tournament organizers to do s- some kind of background check on their uh, on any public facing staff. And I'm paraphrasing. This is not specific. You should go check out the article. Uh, and it,
1: Anyone who represents their company. Right. Anybody publicly. who engages with the
2: public well, at a magic. Maybe, maybe
0: we should maybe we should just make a make a disclaimer here at the beginning uh, before talking about this, that we we aren't lawyers or anything like that and a lot of the a lot of the stuff that we're going to say is uh don't know talk to your to who who is needs to needs to talk uh, uh to to their uh, lawyer, well they need to talk to uh, their, their to
2: representative first of all They need to talk and if they don't have the answers they need to talk to their lawyer to find out how they can comply with this policy it's not up to you to tell them because you don't know and you should tell them you don't know um unless you are their right. lawyer this is, which is unlikely
1: if you have any if you have any additional questions about this beyond what we're saying, that is that that isn't an, an answer that's going to come from judges. That is an answer that should come from your tur- tournament org- organizer who should be getting that from, from their WPN rep yeah. or their lawyer so as a So Basically, what
2: we're getting into is when I said some kind of background check, I said it that way because the article is frankly unclear on what that means. Uh, it doesn't say what that background check is and how they comply with that requirement is going to be up to them. It's going to be up to them finding out from their attorney what the what the laws of of their local area require and allow. Um, and uh, the, the organizers are this puts a huge burden, in my opinion, a huge burden on the organizers to to figure out how to correctly comply with this. Would you guys agree with that statement? Uh,
1: yes, um, again, yes. because because of the the ambiguity right. about it. And because it it is it is directed specifically at the tournament organizer, um, not at judges. Uh it, it puts the onus entirely on that organizer to right. determine this, what this they is need to do.
0: Per per the per the the updates where it says uh obligations, it's your staff as well as those uh you engage with that interact with the public. So this also goes beyond judges. Uh this this is not a, right. a judge targeted thing uh this has this has a larger scope than that and how far that scope goes we don't know and and we can't really give advice to tournament organizers as to how far Uh, that goes so the answer is talk to your WPN Um, rep
2: so some judges have had some questions about this and what it's going to mean so one of the frequent questions I have heard is will a background check cost money and if so will I have to pay for it Uh, the answer to the first question is, well, that depends on the kind of background check. So I can't really answer that, that, that question, but, uh, will you have to pay for it? Um, I am going to tell you that if a tournament organizer asks me to pay for a background check for me going to an event, I am going to tell them that I will not pay for that. And if that means, Uh,
1: I I, I agree with that. And and if that means that
2: I'm not judging at their store, then unfortunately that is what that will have to mean. Because I think it is unreasonable to expect me to have to pay for that or any judge to have to pay for that. Um, another question I have have heard is, uh, what if I, they are asking me for information I don't want to give them? So for example, what if they're asking me for my social security number? Or what if I have in the past gone by a different name and, and I don't want that name to be found out and they, uh, do I need to give it to them? You should, and th- I think this was true before. I think this continues to be true. You should not give an organizer or anybody really uh, information you don't feel comfortable giving. If they, unless com- you're being compelled by a court or something to do so, and even then, depending on where you are, that may—I don't, I don't know how that works. But like, you, you just shouldn't. If 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 an organizer is trying to get information from you that you don't feel comfortable giving, you probably just shouldn't work for the organizer. It's, it sounds like if you guys – you should talk to them first. Try to come to an understanding uh, because by and large, tournament organizers, they're not bad people. They're just trying to comply with, with the, what they've been told to do. If you have a concern, talk to them about it. And if you guys still can't come to a resolution, then that might not be the kind of place you wanted to work to begin with.
0: And and this 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 applies even in the case like where you're talking about social security number. Um you know, some some tos might need you know want that for the yeah. So uh, some 1099. might want it for
2: tax purposes. Okay,
0: and right, and if and if you don't want to, and in that particular case, if you don't want to give them your social security number, well, then you know that 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 has a a, a ramification in in that regard. So
1: yeah, it's 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 another question of, of of I I wish I wish we had more answers. I wish we had something more explicit we could we mm-hmm. could say about that but uh there there it's there was a great
2: tough. uh blog article that i'll also link up in the show notes uh blog post i should say by david hibbs uh that was published uh just today although i think it will be two days ago when you listen to this in the future um by david hibbs and it was uh, yeah good morning. morning good morning david um and it, it's uh, it, it doesn't have a whole lot more information but it does explain kind of how we should see it as judges and um the main thing is – and there there was a recently an announcement uh, that kind of encouraged judges to go out and find out about the laws in their local community. The one thing David points out is if you're not an attorney, at least in the United States, if you're not a, an attorney and you start giving your organizer legal advice, you could be liable for that if if there's a problem or it goes wrong. Don't do that. Don't assume you know more I, I, than, than all of the other people that, that are supposed to know this stuff because it's dangerous to do that. Right. 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 It's, it's do, do the, the advice in that article, uh, the, the other article, not the Hibbs article,
0: but the advice in that other article was bad advice.
2: Yes. And that was I'll just say it. That was a, a, a that came from it was an announcement from the program coordinators. It was contradictory and poorly written, and it was bad advice for judges. It was advice that tells them to go out and make themselves liable for uh, all kinds of problems. Um, it's and it, it clearly wasn't. Um, it, it was not internally consistent at one point. It says that judges have had a mechanism for years to, to basically weed bad apples out. And then later on it says, and we need a mechanism. So this is what we're doing. Uh, and it, it's just, it was not good. Uh, be wise, be safe. And, uh, you know, don't give people things they don't need.
0: Yeah. And, and there, there is a conflict here because j- judges by and large, where, where I was joking about us, us being per, per snickety earlier. Um,
1: that's we, the recurring we want, theme.
0: Yeah, it is a recurring theme. But in this particular case, we want to help. Like we want to understand things so that we can help make events better. A lot of us uh, uh, help tos and have good uh, uh, symbiotic uh, uh, relationships uh, with the with our with our tos, and they look to us to explain, you know, policy and MTR changes and and stuff that they need to do in order to run their events. And this is one of these situations where we can't do it. And it's a conflict. It's like an internal conflict with the way we normally behave.
2: Right. And I think that's, you know, you bring up a really good point, Brian. And that's one thing I want to talk about is when a TO asks you about this, how do you handle it? And the way I intend to handle it is to tell them that this isn't like answering a question about how a tournament works. This is a legal question. And it would be just like answering it and giving them an answer would be just like me trying to give them tax advice or telling them to, how to handle their accounting it affects me because there's a money transaction if they're paying me but i can't give them that advice i'm in no way qualified to do that and this is exactly the same idea even if i might know the answer it's just not a good idea for me to give them that advice and it might not even be legal
1: right you, this is a thing this is a thing that that impacts you this is a thing that impacts judges um, but it isn't something that, that we're experts on. And it isn't something we should try to give advice on, even though it is related to us.
0: If, if we, if we, if we, well, uh, if we mess up giving someone tournament advice, um, the, the worst thing that could happen is, you know, that one event might have a problem. Okay. There, there is a, there is a, 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 a limit, an upper limit on when we're talking policy and, and MTR structure there is a limit to how bad we can we can or the consequences of being wrong. In this particular instance right here, you you, you got to stay away from it, you know, because the, mm-hmm. the, the the implications, the consequences of giving advice and it being it being incorrect is really high.
1: Right. Yeah, I think I think we've I think we've said really all there is to say here.
2: Yeah, I think we've beat, you know, don't do that thing into the ground. Um, and uh, uh, I, I hope that we at some point see more information about this. Uh, I hope that um, the judge community leaders get a little more in touch with what's going on and <laughs> paying attention to it. Uh, but I I think that this is all going to shake out well. I know there are a lot of people that are kind of scared about it for various reasons or worried about it. I think we should give it some time, just like many other things that we thought would be detrimental to magic. Give it some time and see where it lands before we start panicking. Uh, because we don't know. We don't know yet what this is going to look like. All right. Well, that's that's uh, that's a bit of a serious note. Uh, yeah, we we got really somber oh, there. All right. So uh, does anybody have any parting thoughts before we pass this episode into the Aether?
1: Um, I think we there were there are a lot of, uh I think, good quality of life updates as as it relates to the MTR and the IPG. Um, Feeling good about them. They're they're not particularly complicated but there are some interesting nuances but i uh, feel like they're good changes
2: i particularly liked uh sorry speaking too quickly i particularly liked the um, uh, tracked items change i think it's really good that we tra- track energy uh specifically um because that was one that that was often just being problematic uh i would like to see the experience counters and storm added to the list but uh you know, a storm baby is steps, baby, baby steps. We'll see, we'll see where that goes. And experience counters only because it's just like one card that cares about it. That people play in legacy. Uh, sad days. All right, Brian, do you have any parting thoughts?
0: Uh, I do not.
2: All right. Well then I would like to thank everybody for listening to episode 192 of judge cast. You can find the whole judge cast archive at judgecast.com You can send us an email at judgecast at gmail.com, or you can send us, uh, a message on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast or at facebook.com slash judgecast. Thank you again for listening. My name's Jess Dunks and I keep it fair.
1: I'm Bergen King and I keep it fun.
2: I'm Brian
0: Prilliman and I keep my rouge refiner with my elephant am blush and my death's eyeshadow.